<clears throat> okay, here we are. Seeing people coming alive. What's happening? What's happening? So, Rich, give me a second. Let's <laughs> go do a little intro. Let people know what's going on. I'm seeing the numbers come in. Lovely stuff. So, Big Lloyd, AA Entertainment, um, Tempo and Flow. For those of you that don't know, Tempo and Flow is a live night that I started with my friends. Started it with Selena and my friend Lauren. And we started doing live events in, um when was it? 2018. Also, if the sound's mad, let me know. Like, let me know if the sound's mad, people, yeah? So we started doing live events in 2018 at Norton Hill Arts Club. And it was all about putting live talent on, putting live music in the forefront, unsigned artists, everything. And we've had some amazing events, like I can't even remember all the people we've had. It's just wicked. Yeah. And obviously during lockdown, we're just like, raw, no live events are happening. Nothing's going on. So we'd, we we need to do something. And we're a little bit late to the party. You know, there's a lot of people that have been doing lives already and everything. Um, but we decided we're going to do one as it's another way of helping people get expert advice and, you know, find out how the industry really is um, and everything like that. And I also want to say it's Mental Health Awareness Week and, you know, Temper Flow support all creatives. We support everybody and their mental well-being, all executives. So I hope everyone is, you know, trying to take it easy as they can. It's a tough time right now. It's a... Uh, it's a lot going on, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I hope everyone's just like, yeah, making sure their mental their mental health is correct, you know, and everything's going going really well. Um, but yeah, mental health week is really important. And as for me, um, I'm talking like everyone knows me. <laughs> you definitely know everyone knows me. Um, how can I introduce myself? I'm Lloyd, Big Lloyd. I'm an A&R manager. Um, I worked at Relentless Records, now I'm at Warner Music. I'm also a manager as well. I manage Crazy Cousins, a couple other people. And yeah, this is this is this is my way of giving back and doing something fun and for people that want to tune in and are at home. It's about you guys getting the right experience and getting everything you need from it. So without further ado, I can see there's 31 people in the live. Let me find Rich, because I saw Rich, I saw him, and I need to get him on this thing. Oh, fucking hell. Rich, if you could hear me, Rich, request request to come in the live. I've waved at Rich Costello, you know. I'm trying to get him to come in the live. We're moving like two uncles. I don't even know what's going on. Here we go. Right. Rich, request to come in the live. <laughs> Rich does not know how to join the live and press the request button. <laughs> He's killing me. <laughs> I said I'm coming. How is everyone anyway? 
hit me with some comments man i see 37 people are tuned in i just want to like talk to me in it let me know how's everyone doing how's everyone coping with fucking lockdown you know oh here he is here he is I've got it, T. He's coming. <clears throat> Yo, man. Rich. Man like Rich, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to laugh too man much. Like Jesus. Rich. What are you saying? All so, good. This is, this is the first time I've done anything like this, so forgive me if I'm um, a bit slow no, and not good at this. No, my first time too. Like, we're, we're, you know, we're trying to do something here. We're trying to give back. We're trying to let, you know people get some advice and everything and when I asked you to do it you know you were up for it and big up for that do you know what I mean because a lot of people probably have been like no no fam I'm not doing that <laughs> like I'm not on it I'm not on it do you know what I mean so as soon as I called you and said yo do you want to do this thing with me you're like yeah cool so respect to you in it no no it's good I, mean, I think these things are important to do and obviously I've got like I've got a lot of people in the industry that sort of um, that I'm mates with or, or, or on a banter one tonight but it's all good I'm here to sort of give and give back because uh, I've been a, a banter one yeah yeah of course it's just like oh, what are you going to say like what it's, you just don't want to make a fool of yourself in it but I'm just going to be trying to be really honest and uh, tell you about my experience so far yeah do you know what I'm looking at my angle I'm trying to make sure my afro is in there yeah your hair is looking mad still but it's good you say I mean, afro is looking I think the afro is looking all right still <laughs> Looking at that still. All right, cool. So, look, okay. they, this thing moves really quick in it, and we've already been on live for a minute. So, we've got 60 people in here already. Big up, everybody. Um, Rich, listen, tell us how you got started. Like, to, like talk us through, you know, talk us through the journey. How did how did Rich Costello begin? Um, it's a hard one. I've got a long story. I, I know where it's live, so... I don't want to bore everybody. Also, but, uh, wait, before you say that, anybody, if the sound is not correct, let us know. Just let us know, yeah? But I can hear you, Rich. You can hear me. Yeah, I can so, hear you fine, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, All right, yeah cool. So, so, so my story is, um, I'm from a place, I'm a place called Nottingham. I'm from Nottingham. I was born and raised in the East Midlands. Um, I did performing arts at college. And when I left college, I joined a, like a tribute R&B group. So... I know wait, it's funny wait, enough. Wait, 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 wait. Rich Casella was in the R&B group. Oh, yeah, we call it R&B, yeah. It was in a tribute R&B group. So basically, my first experience <laughs> of performing was going to um, Mallorca and Menorca. And doing, we did a Motown tribute and we did like an R&B group tribute where we go from hotel to hotel around the both islands each week. And we would get experience of like setting up PA system, doing a performance, um, and then going home at night and getting a weekly wage from an, from an agent. So my entry point in the whole thing properly, well, the first time I actually earned money from it was actually doing that side of it first um, when I was about 18, 19, just out of college. <laughs> Man, do you know what? I'm, I'm listening to you, yeah, but the comments are killing me. <laughs> the comments are killing me. Man said backup dancer. Yo, Spinky, <laughs> back up, bro. <laughs> Spinks is always on smoke every day. Wait, they're saying put up the pictures. Listen. No, there's no pictures, bro. I burnt that no, stuff. Wait, this is pre internet. Wait, 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 wait. If you've got the pictures of Richard and Group, you allow me. At, at workload, <laughs> we will post the team later. I kid you not. If you've got the pictures, send in the team. But go, carry on, Rich. 
yeah, so we did, I did that. That was my first taste of like doing something professional within music. And we did that for a whole summer. And we like we had the best time of our lives, sort of like we were just out and about performing and whatnot. And we got back to England and decided to move to London, the, the tribute group I was in, and decided to try and make it a real thing and try and get signed. So that's the first time I sort of reached out to anybody in London to try and penetrate the business. So me and my friend Dean, he might even be on here, and we, we spent like about three days going through, I think it's called Showcase International, which is a book of contacts. Mm-hmm. And we ended up we ended up literally just calling like hundreds and hundreds of people in London to try and see if they would take us seriously and to see right. if they give us a shot in London. So eventually one person reacted to that and we, we drove down to London as a group and we had to go and sing for him um, and perform for him. And that person signed us, gave, gave us oh, a record it. deal, like a very small that's... record deal. At the time yeah. we thought we thought we made it. We thought we were gonzo. Yeah. And um, we, we got a very small record um, contract. We moved to London together. We moved into um, a two-bedroom flat in Stratford. So, like, five of us. And we are getting ready to release the first song. And just before we put the first song out, uh, we got a call to say we'd been dropped. Whoa. Wait, so before the song could even come out... Yeah, properly, yeah. Dropped. Yeah, we got dropped straight away. So my first taste of industry crud. <laughs> I was just like, raw, I thought I'd made it. I was thinking about buying houses for my family and shit. And... <laughs> yeah, you thought it was it. You I thought I was it. done. I thought I was You're it. You're thinking, yeah, man, like, record deals happen. We moved from the other to London. Glitz and glamour, we're, we're here. And you got dropped before the song came out. Yeah, yeah, it's for real, for real. That's how it was. So I was like, raw. One minute I was doing that, the next minute I'm in the dole queue. So I'm at the job centre in Stratford trying to get my get my um, dole. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out the system. I'm like, rah, I don't want to leave London. I've got dropped. Um, I've always had an interest in management and making things happen because I think we got to London through mm. mine my, my and Dean's persistence of sort of just chasing stuff down. So mm. for me, for me, it was just like, right, cool, I'm in London. Um, I don't want to go back. I'm, I'm, my background in, in, in Nottingham, so my mum... It's got like four kids and we haven't we didn't have money like that or anything so it wasn't a case of and i'm of age now i'm 18 19 i'm like right okay. i've got to make a go of something so i decided i made a conscious decision to stay in london until i made some money because there's no mm-hmm. point in going back to nottingham so i signed on the dole um I, I joined a thing called new deal for musicians which is something that um the government at the time was supporting people that wanted to get into the music business so we had to go to college like I think two days a week to learn about the business that we're interested in and in, in return we get like housing benefit and we get um dole money which is like 40 pound a week and then the, the subsidized our rent for us as well so we were like yeah so it's my first sort of my first understanding of sort of wiggling myself through the system so I had to look at that and figure out how I'm going to stay there how I'm going to sort of survive sort of thing so mm. I did that and then my dole officer happened to be on a thing called the MMF which is a music managers forum I don't know if you're yes, aware of that yes, but yes, they're, yes, they're yes. a wicked they're a wicked society and they do like um, music courses for up and coming managers and they offer support for people so yeah um, there's a guy there called Jonathan Shallett who was the chairman of the music uh, MMF at the time okay. um, and someone had got wind my, my doll officer got wind that there was a job going um, mm-hmm. because a guy had just left and they were looking for a young cool kid who sort of had an understanding of, of music business and because I've been in a group and put and the, the process of recording and understood what mixing and mastering was um, yeah. I, I managed to get myself an interview with this with, with Jonathan Shallett so 
by this point, we're all doing like part-time jobs while still trying to sign on, while still just whatever we got to do to survive. We were like going raving in in clubs and like just sneaking Wait, on so to the, the, group, the group is still together. The group yeah, not we're, we're not disbanded yet. I mean, okay. from, to, so two of them. The yeah, we're not disbanded together. yet. Sort of, I've sort of taken a role of like I'm going to try and help out on the management side of it because it's clearly a bit long. Um, and then I think two of the guys went back to Nottingham, and then the rest of us stayed down here to try and make it work. Um, and then I, I remember like going out and like going clubbing and managed to blag in on the guest list and like going to raves and like just literally picking up any drink in the club and just drinking it and keeping it moving because I just wanted, I was mm. on a ragged, I was on an absolute ragged one. Like we just, it was a full survival mode, but we still wanted to do the sort of plushy sort of London, I live in London yeah, vibes. Yeah, 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 of course. So, so that, so yeah, so we did that. Um, I lost my chain of thought there. London, yeah, so, yeah, so. So we're in the group. Um, I I got the interview for a management company. Um, I borrowed Dean. Dean, who um, worked with me, had a job at Zara, um, and got given a suit to wear for for the menswear section. And my other brethren had some shoes. So I borrowed Dean's suit and my other brethren's shoes, and I went to see Jonathan Shalit for this job interview. Fucking um, love that. Love that, mate. One bad yeah. cheese and one bad seat. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But at the time, it was just like, you just do what you got to do. I've always had the mentality of like, just get it done. So, no, um, of course, carry on, please. Yeah, so, so we, I meant to see Jonathan Shallot. Um, I, I managed to gas him. And I thought I'd gas him, but he was actually gassing me because he needed someone. But at the time, I was like, yeah, I, I gassed him. And um, we, he offered me a job, but he offered me just expenses. So he said, come in five days a week. I'll give you lunch money and travel money, but you'll you'll get to learn something. And and I was like, okay, cool. It's better than what I've been doing. So cool. So yeah. I managed. So I took the opportunity. Uh, I, I worked with Jonathan. He was doing Big Brothers at the time. The group called Big Brothers, and he had a girl called Janelia. I don't, I don't know if you remember Janelia. Really, really good artist from Birmingham. Um, yeah. So my job was to basically do all the jobs that no one else would do within that company. So I, I'd support yeah. diaries. I'd do tea making, coffees. And, and stuff like that and um Jamelia started to start to connect a bit more again and I got involved in that project with Jamie Nelson that was my first introduction to somebody serious in the business who was Jamie Nelson they got Jamie Nelson actually yeah Jamie Nelson. no he, he he was really sort of good because he'd obviously sold loads of records before that but on the sort of more urban leaning stuff they allowed me to sort of offer support and back then um choice choice fm and all those sort of stations were popping off, like Big Up Lisa Chung and all those people who used to be there, you know you are, um, mm. would, would help us out a bit. So I was there supporting Jamelia while trying to sort of see if I could go and find another artist for myself as well, so that I could say I've owned and, I, and was mine sort of thing, um, yeah. which is when Sarash came into my life. You know, Sarash, Sarash who's known now as Angel. Yeah, um, because, yeah very, very talented. Um, Sarash had, um, <laughs> what's he was saying? 10 minutes and not even on the end of the year. <laughs> it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming, it's coming. So I had Sarash, because um, Sarash was in a group called the Charles Family. Um, yeah. It's a family group. They're like, they're like the Jackson 5, but for the UK, like, like incredibly yeah. talented. Every member of the family, like, like serious, serious art, uh, um, artistry. Um, and Casa as well, Progression, who was part of that, that family as well. Um, yeah. So... I started working on Sarash and I made it my personal business to try and get him as a solo artist sort of developed and, and get him on radio. And, and at the time, Choice FM were the first people to actually sort of play what we were doing. But um, during the Sarash stuff, we went to we went to Denmark and we went to a few places because I got loads of contacts from the Jamelia process. And I started sort of figuring out how to sort of get people in rooms and how to cut records and 
we did that. We got Suresh going a bit and got moving. And then um, the, the end of things started. Um, I went to a thing called In the City. You know, In the City? I don't know if you remember yeah, it now. Yeah, Back yeah. in the day, In the City used to be the so spot. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, we used yeah, to go, yeah. we used to go literally every year. Charlotte was involved in that and he he'd sort of uh, allowed me to go and, and fund me to go up there. And in the city, I met Ender was at one of the performance nights. Um, it was Dappy with his, um, with his, and his dad was managing at the time, Byron. Um, okay. And I and I remember seeing the band at one of the nights and thinking, Jesus Christ, like, they were the most confident people I've ever seen on stage. And yeah, what did I, you? What did like? I know you want to get into it, but yeah, to elaborate on that because at that time, it's important we set the scene that. Urban isn't the thing. <laughs> like this is, yeah. this is not this is not what man are signing. This is not what's in the charts. That's a really good it. point. That's a really good <laughs> so, point because at the time, it's, it's yeah. a guitar thing. If you, if you didn't have a it's guitar, a a yeah. If you go into you go into a record label without a guitar, it was peak, bro. It's like the urban thing was an absolute <laughs> myth. It was just like it was borderline comedy to suggest a proper <laughs> album deal on anything vaguely urban because. Yeah. I mean, for two reasons. The first reason is that it hadn't commercially worked, so they hadn't have a reference point to it. There was mm. nothing... I mean, I think, obviously, So Solid had done their thing, and So Solid were amazing, but on a on a sort of... I don't even think the industry understood what So Solid did. It was such an anomaly. So yeah. as much as it was big, people hadn't unlocked the, the, the codes on it sort of thing. Mm. So when when we sort of got... Um, and when I got introduced to Endup, they were already sort of in a deal with Polydor at the time, Right. Um, but this is a deal that they got before we were involved. They had like a development deal with Polydor, and there was. Um, but you missed a little bit because you was in the city and you seen that talent. Like, what was that talent? What What, what did you see? That bearing in mind the setting is urban's not in. You could have just walked on. You could have been like, "What? Like that's not it." But what What did you see? What did you see in them three? I saw confidence. I saw melody. I saw. Um, they they remind me of pretty much every kid on every council estate in the UK, and I knew that if we'd sort of raised their profile enough, um, mm. that there was an ability to sort of connect with youth culture and with the everyman and with the every sort of family sort of thing. It was aspirational. Um, it it wasn't super sophisticated. It was just all heart and grit and and and, and, and energy. Mm. And I think they could write songs. And the, the, one of the biggest things that really attracted me to them is the fact that they understood song structures. Um, their dad was in a band, the dad was in Mungo Jerry. Um, um, and and Daffy, Daffy is like literally a genius when it comes to melody and, and constructing sort of um, ad-libs. Ad and, and just his, his attention to detail on the actual audio side, which I learned loads from him. I remember being in the studio with him for years and thinking every week there's something knew that he sort of picked up on it. And I think it's because his dad, his dad was an engineer, his brother's a, a studio engineer, um, and, and then there's Phaser as well, who was incredible in the production side. This is a kid who couldn't read music in any way, but could, could play the piano. Mad. Do you know what I mean? He just had feel Mad. and understanding, and, 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 and he was super ambitious. So yeah, that was really exciting. And, and when having Talisa in the mix, we had the melody bits. So we knew on the choruses of songs, he had mm. the potential to sit on radio and daytime radio as well. So um, it was just exciting. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. All I knew is that I really believed in them. And mm. it's just something that I thought was worth having an argument and a fight for. And I think, and I thought if it went right, it's, we'd, we'd all look amazing, but it was super risky. But oh. I, didn't have any, I didn't have any other choice. It was just like, do or die, do that, or go back to Nottingham and be a, and not do what I'm doing now. So. No, but the only reason I just highlighted that, because obviously I know there's some artists tuned in, and 
you know, as A and R's, you always get asked, "What are you looking for? What are you looking for? What, what's your, you know, how do I get signed?" So I think that's important as to why you even started working with them in the first place. You know what I mean? So, but anyway, right? So you're, they're in a deal at Polydor. Let's take it from there. They're yeah, they're in a deal at Polydor. I think. Um... Yeah, we just taken over on the management side, but at this point, um, Daffy's dad had passed. He, he, he just literally Daffy passed. passed yeah. in, rest in peace. Daffy's dad had passed, and I'd met dad before they passed, and they remember me keep turning up, kept turning up at shows for them. So, I continued. Jonathan encouraged me to sort of continue the dialogue, and I think the Polydor guys had reached out to Jonathan. Obviously, Jonathan had done Big Brothers and Jamelia, and, and in black music, mm -hmm. there, there wasn't another manager who had broken on a commercial level, urban. Um, yeah. As far as I was aware, I might be wrong. Someone probably tell me otherwise. But at that time, Shalit yeah. was the guy. Like he he broke yeah. black music sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. he was the he was the only guy who had the connections with the TV and and the press and the sort of really bigger scale stuff that most of us sort of wouldn't have sort of been aware of at the time. And yeah. he 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 was super connected. So they reached out to him and they asked him if he'd get involved. And we were already on it anyway. So we were like, great. So when we met up with the band, um, they agreed for us to sort of uh, work with him. And then we started in there. This is when I swear had already come out at this point, and we sort of we decided to re-release it and have a go again at it um, with Polydor. Um, Big tune. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We did I swear, better not waste my time. Um, and then Pop, can you hear me? Which was written off the back of the Dad Dying. Papa, so, can you hear me? Yeah, we we yeah. That Daffy <laughs> wrote that off the back of his Dad um, passing, and we shot a video straight away and. Um, I think that got us nominated for a MOBO that year. I think we won Best Newcomer or something, but it was just... And they were killing Channel U, bro. Like, I, I, yeah, I sorry, that's a big part of it. The Channel U thing is a massive part of it. Big up Darren, big up Ricky and Colin back, even back then. Like. I, 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 don't, I, don't think, I, like, I don't think you could go 20 minutes, 20 minutes without an end of song. Like, literally, like, they were just killing the channel, literally, but in a good way. Like big tunes, do you know what I mean? Whether it was, I swear, whether it was Puppy Can Hear Me, like, it, like, it just, yeah, it felt like that. But anyway, continue. Yeah, sorry, I don't know where we got to, but yeah, we got the, we put up Puppy Can You Hear Me, it did well, we got nominated for something, and I remember at the time, we didn't have a, we didn't have a top 40 song, we just had, we were just regularly putting out music, and I think it's yeah. true to, even to, to this day, the power of regularly putting out music and building some sort of momentum for yourself, and not looking at the sort of, especially if you're a new artist, not watching the chart positions, because I think your narrative is, is worth a lot more than the chart positions at the very start, so, yeah. um, they, and they understood that, so they, they were just Keep, they kept flinging out, flinging out music, and we never had a top twenty. And we decided to, um, we decided to make an album and finish an album because the guys had constantly worked. And at, at that point, um, we we asked Polydor to let us go, which they kindly did because we wanted we wanted a bit more attention and we wanted to be able to um, be the focal point of the label. And at the time, Polydor were just killing it. They had everything from Black Eyed Peas through to. Um, I think James Morrison back then had some big, big, big hitters. And when yeah. you've got that around you, you're just like, no matter how important you think you are, you're just not because you're not making that sort of money for the company. So, um, that's all, that's all. yeah, so we got, we um, managed to reach out to a group called All Around the World, who are like a record label. They were, and they part owned the Channel U station. So they had access to all the data from all the sort of text information that all the people were sort of um, texting in every time they were played on Channel U. And, Endos were killing it on that side of it. So all around the world gave us a record deal, a very small deal, for, I think for like two singles. And yeah. we, we, we made it work. We made the two singles work and 
they, then they agreed to put it and make an album. And we made the album for Next to Nothing. Um, we spent the whole summer running around sort of Camden trying to find files from old songs they'd done. Uh, <laughs> you know what it's like when you're piecing together an album? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, and they'd, they'd done so much good work, but it was just scattered everywhere. So my job was to sort of try and locate on those, most of that and just keep the thing moving and, and deliver actually audio. So um, and the whole thing of that first album, um, we delivered it with no top 40 singles and it charted in top i think it was a top five album but we we're just next to like beyonce or someone crazy like that on the, in in q4 in, in q4 which is the, obviously the fourth quarter um at a time when it was just unheard of so we'd managed to put a record on in the charts at a really high place without having a real hit per se on there but we'd managed we put so much stuff out and built such momentum that the story was compelling enough for people to care about it and then the rest of it was just we just kept going and we, we didn't know how long it would last. We didn't know what would happen. It was just like it was working. So we did it. But after that first album, um, that's when I looked into residentials. It was really important for me to find a residential place mm. to make the next album because the amount of people that were in and out on that record and trying to keep everybody focused on one thing was such a, a challenge um, that I started looking at like studios so, in the countryside. So, so, it is, so now you're moving to album two. And you're still working for Jonathan Shalit, managing the band. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, after album one, sorry, I'll, I'll come back a bit. I sort of okay. I got into a lot of trouble with with Shalit, and I bless him, he's been good to me. But at the time, um, I was sort of I had to sort of leave the company on the basis that I, I was spending too much time on Endubs, and at that point, it hadn't popped off yet. And right. so I, I made a decision to leave the company and start my own little setup. Um, and like, really. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, to start my own little setup, and um, I was allowed to continue to um, manage, co-manage, sorry, and and A and R the group uh, along with with Charlotte being involved, um, whilst I sort of did other stuff as well. Right. Okay. Okay. So, your when when does the? I think we need to then move into that the A&R rich, because this is like manager rich still. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry. You're, you're, yeah. you're managing your A&R in. How do you then, I guess you could tell the story of A&R in the group or becoming yeah, yeah, A&R. Yeah. yeah, so on the first album, I was I was a manager. And the first time, I didn't even really know what an A&R really did because right. I'd never I'd never been around them. They hadn't really done much for me. Um, what's that? Talk that Canadian shit. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, big up Canada. Whoa, whoa. Um, yeah, so oh yeah, so on the A and R side of it, yeah, so we never had an A and R before, so yeah. I was I was just always about getting it done and just solving the problem, whatever that was, and I sort of fell in love with the A and R side of it off the back of that first Uncle B album because at the end of it, we'd gone around, we delivered the audio, we'd gone through the mix process over and over, even the mastering process it took forever because Dappy and the band insisted on attending every single angle of it. Like sometimes when you get an album. Um, they'll mm. deliver the demo, you get the mix approved by the artist and then you go into master and you can deliver it. But Daffy, I mean, every single song they ever put out were, were their little babies. So they mm. were, they were the real, the attention to detail on it was just crazy. So we had to, we had to make sure that they were always on everything. So it, it took a lot longer to sort of deliver stuff. 
Mm. But I fell in love with the process because when we were mixing the Uncle B record, we went days without sleep trying to make sure we delivered our deadlines because back then we had CDs. So we had a, a hard deadline of delivering the actual mass, the first master, so we mm -hmm. could press CDs um, which to get out in a certain, for a release date that we'd set. So it was really like do or die stuff in terms of delivering stuff. So yeah, um, so that's when I fell in love with the A&R side of it. Um, mm. Off the back of that first album, Universal offered me a position to come in-house and all around the world were just taking over UMTV, which is a catalogue part of the Universal. So they were merging their own label, the TV company, with the comps department within Universal. Right. Which, so when they did that, they got the ability to hire a few people and they hired me as their A&R guy. Wicked. So now you're offered a job, you're in the game. Yeah, I'm in the game. Um, we'd we'd sort of we'd done the end. I think we're about album two ish around now, sort of thing. And I'm in the game. I'm on the pitch, and we sort of we get to the point where where the band had had done really well, and they want to sort of go solo. They all want to do their own thing. We'd sold out arenas. We'd 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 killed it. We've we done all we could do um, pre-streaming and within the sort of um, within what we had. So yeah. So Daffy went solo, Talisa went solo, and Fazer went solo. So we started making records for them individually. And right. I think... Bad is, so they've gone solo, but we're just clarifying, you're not quite managing them, but you're not a and them. I'm a and them now, so I'm not the manager anymore. I'm, I'm the a and man from right. the label. So I think with, with Daffy, I think he had... Um, Daffy had, I think Jack and Archie were, were involved in the management, along with Jonathan. Jack and Archie, obviously, who did Tinty Strider back then, who we sort of yeah. partnered up with a lot. So, um, and Tinty Strider had been on tour with us a lot as well, and we sort of helped. We'd supported Tinty, and Tinty supported us back. And yeah, so, and obviously that's Ben Scars, that's Jack Foster, that's Archie. Uh, I think even Twin was involved in that early stages. There's a whole bunch of these characters that today in 2020 are all doing like mad things, but they've all really put time in and they've been in it for like forever, like, like me. So. Um, yes. Yeah, so where were we? Sorry, bro. A and R in, but A and R in solo projects. Yeah, they're doing solo um, projects and, and it's like success, I take it. <laughs> yeah, we had a, yeah, we had a number one with Talisa, and then we had a number one with Daffy on No Regrets, and then we had a number two with with Daffy on Rockstar, which was only like number two because of some something happened. I think Gautier, it was one of them free free time. You know, every now and then you get a Kasai or a Gautier or, a, yeah, yeah. or one of them big, one big juggernauts that just turn yeah. up on your, on your, on your release day just to disrespect <laughs> your whole campaign. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was one of them ones. We would have had two number ones with him, which is frustrating. And then Daffy had a number one with Tinchy Strider, uh, which, which was called number one, which we did with Fraser T. Smith. Yeah. Um, and we, we just had a good run. And when you're in it as well, you don't realise that you're doing it. You're just, you're, just, you're just trying to get to tomorrow. You're just problem solving. You're just like, what is the problem today? And you just get up in the morning and you, and, and you solve it and then try and get good music out. And at that time, again, it's, it's important to remember that it's a different space than where it is today. So, like, when you're going number two, this is, like, pre-streaming. This is, like... Yeah, this is, like, hard, it's, like, I mean, hard sales. I'm like, saying what? You must be selling, like, 50,000... No, we did... 000. On Talisa, on Talisa, we did 120,000 on week one on other single. That's That's we, that, that, was, that was the week one. Like, on, on, I think on No Regrets, it was about 90,000 that week. It's, like, it's... it's yeah, it's it was, but it was relative to what the world is as well. There were probably less releases. There was I'm not trying to belittle it, but it was a different world. But we yeah. were very sort of like I like to think what we're doing inspired a lot of people to sort of like be brave enough to fucking really have a go at this sort of stuff. Listen, that time 
is everything because I'm watching you on TV. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, a, I'm like at this time. Oh yeah, the TV. Like, I forgot about that. This <laughs> is like this is fucking what 2009. I'm sitting in my house. I'm watching this end of show, and I see this guy saying, "Yeah, he's end of manager," and I'm like, "He looks like me," <laughs> and I look like him. <laughs> like that's all bad. And this is still <laughs> a time when this ain't really happening. Do you know what I mean? So. To me, I'm like, raw. that's like you've helping open doors. And we know So Solid was here and people were doing things. But I feel like for my generation, like I'm 32 now. So that so anyone on that age, maybe even younger, is like you you saw Ed Dubs, literally on channel, you killing it. I'm seeing the show. I'm seeing you on the show. I'm like, I need to know that guy. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I need to find that guy. So... I don't know. Do you know how much records you actually sold? Like, do you know roughly the figure with Ed Dow solos? Nah, I don't know. We did a lot. Must, must be what nearly a million, probably. Like. On Ed yeah, well more than that. I mean, on, on albums alone, we've on albums alone, we're well past that. We we we'll, I think an album's probably probably one and a half, one point three mil, and then on singles. That's with the solo stuff as well, on the singles, like we probably did. I'd say around. Five million singles ish, probably right. more. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> I could probably more than that. I don't know. I don't know. But it, it was a lot. It was it was an ad, it was a lot. But at the time, it, it, yeah, at the time you just do what you do. And bear in mind, we didn't have the international spread of it all, so we didn't have access yeah, yeah, to. Yeah. We couldn't do New Music Friday US, New Music Friday Germany on, on yeah. Spotify because if if if. It, back then, with international, if you want to get heard internationally, you got to go territory by territory and present your campaign. And it, and it depended on the executive in that country saying, yeah, boom, we get it, we like it, we can support it. Whereas now with streaming, you can pop up, you go on a playlist, people that, that, that mess with that culture will find you and will, and will prop you up to the top of their stuff and, and allow you to sort of be uh, a global sort of um, proposition. Whereas before, okay. you, you, have, you have to go and like, Please like this, right. please, please, sort of thing. So it's a different thing. It's a mazer, it's a mazer, like them times. So you're killing it all around the world. You know, you're signed. You signed a few other things. Do you want to say what else you signed or like, all around the world? Uh, I mean, I mean, end of the big round. I did. I, did, I signed a kid called Charlie Brown. Uh, we did a good job on that. We had a hit. when we signed him. It was like he was just a good songwriter, and we managed to sort of develop him and 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 have have a few hits of him. Back then, we had like Miss D. On his record, we even had Youngin on a record with, with Charlie Brown early days before Young before Youngin turned into into what he what he turned into. But um, mm. even pre pre that, so we had Charlie Brown. We had a top ten with Charlie Brown, um, and then well, we had loads of it. But the end of it was like sucking my whole life. And also, uh, also around that time, I'd found an, um, a kid called Young Ads or Adam. Whoa, wait, hold on. So. I remember this because at this point, me and you are now friends. I'm like, just so anyone that doesn't know, I've trapped Switch Down. It's 2011. I'm an intern at Warner Music and I'm in this like <laughs> brand partnership team. Shout out Paul Craig. And I've seen you come in the building. Do you remember the cobbled walkway where Warner Chapel is now? Yeah, it's yeah, like, I Atlantic remember. Yeah, on yeah. The third floor. So you've come in the building. I'm like, that's the guy that I saw on TV. <laughs> so I'm like, that's the guy I need to know. So I heard you down. I'm like, yeah, what's your email? Boom, boom, boom. And shout out Nadia because I emailed you every <laughs> week. I literally got air every week until one day Nadia was like, yeah, I'm going to put this in Rich's diary, but 
what is it about? And I'm like, oh, I just want to catch up, like, and talk to you. Well, so, catch up, you know, catch up ones. Yeah, catch yeah, up ones, but I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> never met, but we're catching up. <laughs> we never met. So I remember this happening, and I think it's a it's a play. Well, Ali said, Lloyd was chirping everyone. That's funny as hell. <laughs> Ali, uh, Ali, yo, Ali, Ali, you're Ali, savage. You know what? Ali, Ali wanted to be friends anyway. He wanted to be friends. He needed all this. So anyway, um, so back then, like, talk to the people. Where you at? Where this position? You you stumbled across a 14 year old young ads. Yeah. So basically, just to rewind a little bit, I so I left I left Shally. I started my business. I sort of I was consulting um on a few bits so i consulted officially officially i was a consultant at the label um mm-hmm. at, at the very start and i met with sarah stennett i don't know if you know sarah stennett who's a legendary sort of music mm-hmm. manager in the business um i'd i'd got a label deal with universal mm-hmm. and sarah stennett was um had negotiated that and helped me get that um and within that i was able to sort of sign a few things and one of the first things i tried to sign was a kid called young ads because i was just a, a fan Nice. Um, I've seen him on YouTube. I don't remember who showed me him actually, but I remember just seeing him on YouTube and just thinking he's special. And he's, he was 14 then, and I remember thinking to myself, "Look, I don't." He was talking about things that are way past his age, and he had a, he had a confidence about him that I just believed him, and I just thought, "Well, I'm just going to reach out." So I reached out to him. I met him and his brother, and his mum actually, um, and we got we got talking, and we agreed to do a, a deal. And we, we, we signed him and we developed him a bit. And then I think that went on for about a year or a year, maybe a year. And then obviously at this point, I'm doing this whilst Daffy's popping up as well. And I'm having to keep an eye on making sure that stays up sort of thing. So yeah. uh, I maybe should have, I should have given it more attention at the time, but I just believed in him at the start. And we ended up parting ways because I just got so under it with all, all this sort of Daffy and end of stuff. But yeah, I, I was a, yeah, I, I, he, he's but a special nice. talent. That's just mad to to say that, you know, because Debra Europe right now just killing it. And the fact that you saw him at flipping 14 and you've gone, yeah, this guy's cold. That's like something that a lot of artists tuned in can can learn from that. Do you know what I mean? Because he's 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 putting out freestyles, I think, SBTV with his brother. Like he's just yeah, doing yeah. things. Benjamin like, AD. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. He's putting in the work. You've seen him. It yeah, it, it looks all sexy now, but this guy's been going at it for like seven years deep. No, he's he's like, no but you know what? Those, those, those of us that know will know this guy is the truth. Like, <laughs> it's all good now. I know it looks bad. DBE, they're mental at times. Shout out, Wes. But they, that, that guy is a star. Like, Young Ads is a star. So I'm glad you touched on that because maybe the newer kids of today don't even know that you signed him when he was 14. Like, that's a madness. So, yeah, crazy. So, right. Know, yeah. So, we're moving it on. So, what's happened now after all of this? After all your company, 2-7? Yeah, so, so the 2-7 tap, yeah, the company was called 2-7. had young ads, blah, blah, blah. I, I remember now, okay, so the 2-7 thing happened. We had young ads, we had all the end of stuff popping off. I've sort of, I've got a bit of a team around me as well. And I'm, I'm getting to the point where I've met someone that I really like and I want, and I want to sort of think about settling down and, and, and getting married and having kids and doing all the sort of grown-up grown up stuff. Mm. And the pace of management, the management thing is all in. You can't half do it. It's like, you've got to go, if you, yeah, well, yeah. for me, I thought you, 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 it's not even a job. It's like a lifestyle vibe. So... For me, I thought I want to have a family. I want to sort of steady down. So I started looking for opportunity to, within a company to sort of wind down my operation. 
um, because I, I wanted the stability of knowing exactly what I'm getting and not having, to, not having to wrestle with the hate with the tax man on 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 all that side of it. So um, I decided to look for that, and then I reached out to uh, David Joseph, and David Joseph was really sort of helpful in bringing me into the company properly and like I said that timed in with all the all around the world stuff and I moved in house properly so and at the time I was a bit wavered but yeah I just sort of like moved in then um and off the back of that we did the Charlie Brown thing and then I moved to Canada. Right so you moved to Canada so I remember this this is mad because those of us in the comments I see a lot of people in the comments I remember you calling me like yeah I'm moving to Canada (laughs) and I'm like yeah, that's mad because I'm never coming to Canada to visit you. So <laughs> this is looking very peak for the friendship because I'm like, yeah, if you're going to Canada, uh, safe. But what was that like quickly? Where, you know, it was like, amazing. No, Canada was dope. Some of the best people I've ever met in my life. Like, they're really, really like, they're good, good people. Um, they work hard. There's some incredible talent coming out of Canada. When you think about Justin Bieber, you think about The Weeknd, Drake, Tory Lanez, Shawn Mendes, mm-hmm. Alicia Cara. Um, there's an endless amount of very, very serious artists coming out of that territory. Um, they way overperform um, for the, for their population, for the size of the population. Like it's just like the hit rate's crazy. But the challenge we had in Canada was that all the best talent was getting signed out of New York or LA instead of Toronto. And um, yeah. Sean Mendes lives like a mile away from the actual Canadian office. And it was frustrating for them to sort of yeah. see these artists constantly going. So my role was to go there and try and try and slow it down a bit and try and um, see if we can keep stuff locally. Okay. Which, so... which, which was good. I, and I enjoyed it. But the challenge with that is it, it boiled down to the budgets. So obviously America is like 360 million people and Canada has got about 34 million people and the budgets are relative. Yeah. But still good experience. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah good experience yeah know. we won a juno as well we won the, we, we sort of started a dance label and electronic label we won a juno award we had we had a really good run and i had my second son there and then i sort of enjoyed it i got a new a new boss came in um not the guy who hired me in canada a new boss came in and i sort of yeah. it was going okay but i decided that i wanted to go back to london and also i was seeing stormzy was just starting to pop off and there was right. a bunch of there's a bunch of kids in in, in the, on the urban team that really started to stick their head above the water and I could see it from where I was because we had Skepta coming over to Toronto selling out venues when I was in Toronto. And I was thinking, rah, I, I, I remember when Skepta was on tour with Endups. Like, I remember we put Skepta on, on our tour. I've seen Skepta go yeah. through many phases and, and big up Sam, big up Rada, big up everyone. But yeah, I remember I've seen that journey like close, close up. And I remember thinking to myself, rah, it's really popping off in England. There's a real opportunity now for something from England to do a, a global madness. Like it's the culture is really starting to bleed into different territories, and like it's it's, it's getting a lot more feasible to actually do something. Yeah, and I, I remember that happening because let's talk about that. Let's jump into that. It's it's twenty twenty sixteen. I feel like, and you've you've yeah, called yeah. me, and you're like, "Yo, man's coming back. <laughs> man's coming back to London." And I remember like, jeez, Richard's coming back, you know. Okay, cool. But it's not his time. Lord knows I'm going to visit. You sound like now, prison, bro. You know, you know like, Listen, you done your time. <laughs> Man, they were not visiting Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's cold in there, bro. Trust now me. Now you're back. And I'm like, cool. Welcome back with open arms. He's here. So let's talk about that. You jumped straight in back at Polydor. And something we've got to go to is um, Steph London. Because obviously you sign other things at Polydor, but 
the Steph thing is is was huge and you know I've got to be honest and say I personally didn't see it. Do you know what I mean? I hold my hands up. I, at the start, I, I remember. I remember. At the start, at the start, I'm not A and R. I'm just your friend. I'm in management, and I'm like, I don't really get it. But I tell you what, and to those of you tuned in, it was 2017. We was in LA. We're in LA, and I remember you telling me, "I've got to sign this girl," and I'm like, "Yeah, this is this is mad." And you played a couple records. And I'm like, okay, this is this is going, this is going. So, what did what did you see in Steph? Like, what did like what was that like? Because there's there's up and coming artists tuned in. So, what did that feel like? Um, first of all, big up Zion Richards because it was me and Zion because Zion actually brought it into the company, and I, mm. I just thought I and when, me and Zion had a meeting with. I think Kevin already let let me and Zion go down to see um, Steph, and we sat mm. with with Steph. Um, the music was already I thought the music was dope anyway but I sat with her and we spoke about her ambition we spoke about what she wanted to do her brand and she was very sort of clinical in, in, in what she felt she needed to do to get to where she's going mm. um, and she, I, it, for me it just felt like something that would travel that the America would understand the hype of it and she'd already sort of connected at that point she sort of she, she was on text message level with Drake and people like that it's like she was way ahead of herself in terms of contacts and I just felt like with with us lot behind it, with me, with Dion, and with the muscle of Polydor. And bear in mind, Polydor's a fairly new label at this point because there's two new presidents in. So they're yes. trying to sort of they're trying to like eat up market share and trying to sort of establish themselves as sort of leaders in, in this area. So they were willing to take a, a few, probably more risks than they probably would have done a few years later. Um, and we we sort of managed to sign her for it was a pretty big deal um and it was it was a bit scary but at the same time i thought she was worth it because i felt like she had international appeal she could rap hard but she understood melody and it's that same thing again with all the urban stuff and you'll see a pattern with a lot of the stuff that i do that the importance yeah. of having that melody bit that, that can penetrate radio is, is, so, is so important um and i think um i think with, with steph when you meet her and you're in her presence and you and you feel like you're in front of a star, you feel you feel like you're in front of somebody who's going to do something mad. You don't know what yeah. it is, but you feel like she's going to go. And I think our job was just to back it. We just we, we just had to back it. We had to something yeah. we questioned, something we didn't understand. But when it came to certain things about the marketing and how she sort of wanted to be perceived, she generally was right. She wasn't always right, but she generally was. That's just crazy and. Um... You know, I know you signed up for Fids, but how much, how much records is oh, I, I signed Harvey as well. Let's put that in there. Sorry. It's important. I wanted to say that. When I was all around, I signed a kid called Harvey, who's now on Virgin, who's now, he's, 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 he's doing decent here, but in, around the world, in, like in Asia and everything, he can't walk down the street. He's like a proper, proper, like pop star kid. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that as well. Yeah. Harvey must have mad numbers on Spotify. He's streaming through the roof. Yeah. You signed him as well. So, so you're on this thing, you're on things, you know, you're just doing it. You're on things early, you're signing melodic acts and stars and how how much I guess Steph, what did she sell? Like five, three million, four million? I mean I mean the hurting me record's up to about three million copies now. Um she's had another she had like silver on other stuff. We've got like bum bum tam tam. We've got other stuff she's featured on that have done millions and millions. She we passed a billion stream mark um before I left Polydor, which is which is um yeah, which I'm very proud of. Like to get to a billion streams on an artist, it's not a, it's not a joke. So um, yeah, um, that's yeah, I'm very very like, proud of that. Mad. And then so we're gonna jump from that into 
I guess kind of how you got to where you are now. I know. Yes, yeah, so I remember right? to Sony TV in between that as well. So yeah, and 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 you could talk about that. Well, you know, I know it was a quick period, but yeah, uh, it was a short period. But I must, I I wanted to do it. I was really keen to get into publishing because I'd, I'd had a publishing company before, like a small yeah. imprint at Warner Chapel many years ago, and yeah. it's something that I was really curious in. Cause, sorry, curious Wait, about. I don't think people know that though. I don't know if people remember you had a publishing company. Like, that's yes, I forgot. I skimmed over that. Well, I had a small publishing company when I was doing when I had my label deal. Um, yeah. So, I, so when, when we had that Charlie Brown hit, I, I'd, I'd actually signed the, the producer of the hit, a kid called Jerome. But we call him yeah. Focus. But I published him to uh, under my own company as well. So we, I published him, developed him a bit, and then had a hit with him, sort of thing. So it was, it was good business. All right. So you come into publishing. So you've had yeah. an interest in it. Now you're in publishing. Yeah, but what's that like? Obviously, talk us through that. It's very different. It's this very different process. So the timelines are different. Like with, mm. with records, you have a release date and the songs out there, and then the marketing marketing team work it, and like you have very set sort of patterns. In the publishing thing, it's like a, it's a constant service. It's different to the record side. With the publishing, you've got to constantly um, add value to the writer in some way. So you're constantly trying to get the writers into into better rooms and mm. trying to help them have hits uh, with mm. other people and. For me, I'd done management and I did a, I think I'd done a good job in management. I'd done a good job in A&R and publishing was the one thing I hadn't really dipped my toe in properly or knew what it was about. So that's the reason why I jumped in on it. And I, even though I was in there for five months, I got some really good deals done. In that. <laughs> While I was there, I worked my ass off. <laughs> I got, so, it wasn't just like months on a, I was not on a jolly. I know some people might think it, but I really, really sort of... Um, put some time in, I managed to get TMS done, I got I got Parsalu done, I got Wayne Hector done, I got Neve Applebaum done, Neve's the guy who does the Joe Corey stuff. Um, we got we got a bunch of really good things that I'm very proud of and just before I left we, we managed to sort of rekindle that relationship with, with D Block. Actually that's not out yet. It doesn't matter. That'll come out soon. Whoa, whoa. Nothing. Delete that. Delete that. Delete, delete that. that. <laughs> I feel like a little exclusive just got let off there if you No, no, no. <laughs> Carry on, carry on. Next thing, next thing. All right, so look, you're now here at Atlantic. I know you yeah. just started. Everyone's seen, you know, new director. Um, yeah. I guess you're feeling that. I guess that's that journey's going to play out. Everyone's going to see when you start to, you know, it must be tough, corona time. So I guess you can't really start, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. So I guess we'll have to see how that one plays out. So let's get into... um. Let's get into some questions? A few questions, because I think we've got... Roughly about 10 minutes and we might have to come back on just for a few more questions. So let's try to get some in quickly. Um, we've got one here. Let's have a look. So Livy Tears says, when will the UK have a female international urban singer? When will it? I mean, I, 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 I can tell. I think there, there's never been a better time for someone to come through properly and have an international moment. Um, as to who will be the one that does a real madness and when I say international I mean like a, a Grammy award winning I mean you could say Ella May is that already yeah. to be fair she's won a Grammy yeah. and, and she's, 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 she's done some amazing things in America I think Ella May Ella May's a, a good shout um, when you say international I'm, I'm, I mean people that have sold records and, and are proven not just sort of potentially good sort of thing so I think LMA is a really good reference point um, I, I think Steph is as well I think she raps as well she, she's not just seen as a singer um, yeah. but I think yeah I think LMA is probably the best sort of reference that is a British artist in terms of female singing um, I, I love Mahalia Mahalia is making good headway 
Um, there's a bunch of really good singers coming through. But I think the key thing for someone to sort of deemed as a successful R&B singer or urban singer um, is America. And I think we've got to figure out how we sort of um, penetrate black radio properly in America on, on a UK artist for that to sort of make that really happen. Okay, big. Uh, to the people typing questions in the comments, put it in the question box, please, because your comments are just going up and up and I can't even see it. I have to scroll through. If it's in the question box, I'm going to see it. All right, let's go on to the next one. So we've got here, what accelerated Rich's growth from Polydor to Sony TV to Warning in a short period of time? <laughs> okay, um... The Polydor thing had been coming. I'd been there for quite a while, so that just I just pay, I just paid my dues and done my time there. Um, the Sony TV thing um, was me sort of trying out something that I thought I really wanted to do, um, but the Warner thing was an opportunity came up. I mean, you'll find this in the business. There's a bit of a Tetris sort of board within our business. Some people move on to other things and then slots open up and other people come into into situations. And there's been a lot of movement, as I'm sure people are aware. Um, there's been a lot of movement within our business. And the, an opportunity sort of came up for me to sort of join what I think is the best record label in the UK. Um, and so, I, so I took it. I just took, I just took the opportunity that came in front of me. You know what? I've seen all the comments here. It's fair man that we know just saying it's the bag. Listen, the bag is the bag. Don't ever get mad. The bag is the bag. <laughs> listen, listen, money is money, but is I mean, bag. it's about sort of money is money, and don't get it twisted. Like we all, I have a family and I have children, so that's really important to me. Um, but ultimately, the opportunity to sort of develop into a really sort of serious proposition to help more people come through, uh, to me, felt like a really good timing for me. So that's why I took it. All right, let's keep it going. Uh, we've got another question here. Do you think an up-and-coming artist needs a manager? Yes, 100%. I think, I think they need a manager. I think, it, I think the perspective that a manager has compared to the perspective that an artist has is totally different. I don't think you could do a real good job and develop yourself properly being your own manager if you're an artist. There's too many things you need to do in terms of organising promo and keeping across your finance, keeping across your diary. It's, 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 yeah, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. All right, let's keep it moving. Let's next. How can we submit artists directly to him? Okay, before Rich answers this question, just send music to info at <laughs> And I will pass it on to Rich if he's saying it. He's lying. He's not going to pass nothing on. He's going to give it to his boss and, 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 and try and probably it off as his own idea, sort of thing, which is okay. I'm okay with that too. Um, no, but no, you got to answer them. They want to know. Can they well, how do we... Directly to you? Um, direct, um, yeah, you can always submit artists to me. Just, just send, 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 me, send me links and stuff. If, if you can send links into oh, Tempo and Flow. How can I send it to you? <laughs> but I don't want to give out the email address. Say that. Right, cool. I'm not going to force you, Rich. I'm not going to force you. You, you know what? I, I, get, I get a ton of emails. I figure like a lot of these sort of really good artists. So one thing I think makes a good artist is figuring out how to get to people properly. Okay. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. We've got questions coming in. Another R&B one. Can R&B flourish in the UK, which is heavily concentrated with rap drill Afro sounds? Definitely. 100%. I've no doubt it can. I think 
all those sounds already and a lot of things that are popping that are working i think you can definitely do it i think it's about presenting songs that are great i think within rap within drill within afro sounds and within culture i think you can have it all in there but i think you've got to respect the song and make sure the song is something that is a 10 out of 10 that that, that can travel um and i think you've got to respect the process by making sure you put it out there in the right way and, and devote yourself properly but i definitely think this can flourish i just think a good team of people will do it. If you look at, I'm not saying Stormzy is this, but if you look at what that team have done and, and the amazing work they've done um, and where they've come from, I think that's a really good example of something that flourished really well. Perfect. Right, moving on, moving on. There's so many questions. Uh, okay, this is actually one of my good friends. I've got an app that I think will help you. How can I get in contact? Carl, we're not talking about our app. Rich, you don't need no app. We're ignoring <laughs> the app. The app is for selective people only. Uh, <laughs> shout out, Carter. Um, what's this one here? What is Rich's advice for artists putting their first music on streaming services? Um, I think, sorry, I think it's good to do it. I think you should. I think, I think what people have got to do to get A and R's interested is they've got to create a story of some sort. And I think people have got to try and make things look like they're already going to happen. So what attracts other sort of A&Rs and other record labels is this, we, if we can see something that has a pulse, that's already moving, that already has numbers, some sort of metric that we can reference in terms of whether it's streams or social media following or anything like that, I think anything you can do to help yourself um, will get you seen a lot sooner. So my advice would be put stuff out, use streaming services. They give you a lot of access to data and analytics that can help you sort of identify your your fan base. So I'd encourage it as much as possible. I wouldn't be too precious with what I put on there too. Like some people think they're saving their biggest hit for for themselves sort of thing. And I think sometimes you've got to just, you've got to start the story. That doesn't mean, not, by the way, Dean, Dean, no development these days, fam. Yeah, there's a lot of development, but I think putting songs out nowadays is a part of a development process. And I think putting stuff out there doesn't mean you're not still developing. It's really important that people know the difference because the world is moving a lot quicker now. Right, okay. I think we might have time for one more. Then we're going to have to come back on, you know. As time is moving mad quick. Someone said their question 41 minutes ago. Wow. Let's get to this. As an A&R, what qualities are you looking for when taking on a new rap artist? I'm looking for a point of difference. I want some somebody interesting. I'm looking for characters. I'm looking for good songs and 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 really somebody who has a really good work ethic that is willing to go through the wars and do the work, turn up the promo, um, and do everything that he needs to do to make sure you've got the best shot of winning. Okay, perfect. Let's try to squeeze one more in. We're on a little countdown here. Um, let's have a look here. Yeah, melody. <laughs> How does a serious business man get in contact with you? A very serious businessman should know how to get in contact with me. Really? That, that's what you're going to say? <laughs> All right, let's try and squeeze. No, do you know what? We're not even going to have time. We're not going to have time. Guy, you want to answer this one quickly. My friends are on to me. Jordan goes, my friend has an app. How can he get in contact with you? They, they want to bust you on the app, Rich. Um, DM me on Insta. DM Rich on Insta with the app. He's on it. Okay, so what we're going to do, 
it's this thing this thing is saying 45 seconds live so we're gonna come back are you cool to come back rich we got a couple more questions yeah yeah, yeah okay cool cool right. so we've had 90 people on the live i think i even saw nearly 100 we got everyone tuning in we're gonna come straight back literally it's 20 seconds remaining we're gonna log straight back on if your question didn't get answered send them in again um because i think it erases them but yeah, two seconds and we'll be back.